Thank you for joining us for this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. All right, well, welcome back to Joshua chapter 2 is where we're going to be tonight. Joshua chapter 2, a passage and a story that we're all very familiar with. But as we get into it, let's kind of rejog our memory a little bit about last week and introduce this week as well. There's an old Persian proverb that says, trust in God, but tie up your camel. And I love that. I love that. I just love that so much. It acknowledges the tension between the idea of when we talk about trusting God, what part of trusting in God is allowing God to do his thing and us doing what we need to do to cooperate as well. You know, there's this idea sometimes that trusting in God means just sitting still and let God being God, but then trusting in God can also be taught from the idea of stepping out on faith and doing what God has asked us to do and what God has empowered us to do and, and to put into motion those things. Now, two weeks ago, as we looked at Joshua 1, we recognized some of God's promises, particularly the promise of His victory and His presence with us, uh, as well as the people of Israel, as we read in context. We saw that as we obey and as we meditate on God's Word and as we experience the fulfillment of of God, we will experience the fulfillment of God's promises. As I look through Joshua chapter one, jo- uh, really the whole book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is about boldness and about trusting in God. This is about boldness and about trusting in God. And, and we see that our trust in God, when we, when we do put that faith in Him, it gives us the ability to to be bolder than we've ever been. When we let God have control, when we let God do the things that He wants to do in our lives, when we trust in Him, when we lean on Him, He will be the source of our courage and our strength to do things that we've not done ever in our faith. Now this week, as we look into chapter 2, we see that letting go and letting God does not always mean just sitting around and doing nothing, but rather that when we act on the promises of God and when we live them out, we will go further than we ever thought possible. The truth is, and I've learned this in my life and in my ministry, is that a lot of times the greatest of God's promises, the depth of those promises, are seen in dangerous, uncomfortable situations in our faith. So Joshua chapter 2. I want to tell you the story of Joshua chapter 2 tonight because many of you are so familiar with it. In Joshua chapter 2, Joshua sends out a group of spies into the promised land, particularly into the first city that's in their way, the city of Jericho. Now, that's kind of interesting because Moses did the same thing, and that didn't really work out for him. But this story, it works out a little bit different. And these spies, they go into the city of Jericho, and where do they end up? They end up at the house of a harlot named what? Rahab. And as they are at Rahab's house, the, some of the men, some of the guards of the king come around and they're like, hey, we hear that there's some of these spies around. Have you seen them? And she's taken these guys and hid them upstairs. And she says, no, I've not seen these guys. I have no idea who you're talking about. And so after she takes care of them, she, she says, hey, before you leave, I want you to make me a promise. Will you promise that when you come basically and destroy our city, Will you save me and my family? I've been, I've been faithful to you. I've taken care of you. Will you take care of us as well? And they promised her that they would. 
And then they come back and they give uh, Joshua this report at the end of Joshua chapter 2 and verse 24. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Of course, that's a completely different report than the spies in the days of Moses. So I want us to, to talk about this story and see what it means for us tonight. The first thing that I want you to think about is the idea of living the promise, the promise that God's going to be with you and guard you and give you strength and courage. Now, I love what we see happening in this story. In the previous chapter, God had told Joshua what? He says, I will be with you. I promise you victory everywhere you step your foot. Verse 3 of chapter 1. So now in the next chapter, Joshua starts getting busy. He's taking God at his word, and he sends these spies into Jericho. Now, it's interesting if you pause and look at this for just a moment. My Bible never says that God told Joshua to send spies anywhere. And like I said, with the last time this took place, it didn't work out very well. And so you could ask yourself the question, didn't God just promise Joshua the whole land? Then why did he need to send spies? Doesn't this show maybe a display of a lack of trust on Joshua's part, a sort of taking matter into his own hands kind of thing, doing it his way instead of God's way? Why didn't he just trust God, live on the promise, march across the river, and claim the land? The question becomes even more relevant if you sneak a peek ahead to chapters 5 and 6 and you read the story of the fall of Jericho. Remember how the story unfolds there, how the city falls? That basically the people of Israel did nothing but walk around this city for seven days. And God did all the work. God had a plan for the fall of the city. He knew what was going to happen. So why even bother sending in these spies? The answer to those questions, to answer those questions, we need to know what the response of God was to Joshua. Was Joshua ever rebuked for his actions? No, never. Punished for not believing? Not at all. Chastised for not simply trusting? No. In fact, and this is fascinating, in chapter 2, God says nothing. In chapter 2 of this story, God says nothing. He says a lot in chapter 1, and he says a lot in chapters 4, 5, and 6. But in this moment, God does not say a whole lot of anything. As a matter of fact, in the absence of God's conversation here, we, we are introduced to Rahab, and we, enter, we are introduced to, to her family, and she is introduced into the story of both um, the Old Testament and into the, the story of Christianity. But here's the lesson I see for us. Sometimes it's okay for us to get busy and do the things that make most, the most sense. Let me repeat that. Sometimes it's okay for us to get busy and do the things that make the most sense. I've known people, I've known people that wake up in the morning and they pray to God and ask them to help pick out a pair of socks. They're, they're so dependent on, on God's direction. They're trying to be literally just let God do everything or, or search his will for every decision that they make. And I believe that God gives us the ability to make decisions. And we often take that and run with it and we try to make decisions ourselves without involving God in our daily lives. And that, that's, that's wrong. But it's also wrong to never make a decision. That leads to disobedience. For example, if God tells us to go one direction and we sit around waiting for him to tell us whether we should walk, run, take a bus, you know, that's, that's disobedience. Sometimes he tells us to go, and he leaves the mode of travel up to us. And, and here's what I'm saying. Trusting God means both that we wait on him for guidance and direction and leadership, and it also means 
that we get going in the direction he points us in. That's what I see here in Joshua chapter 2, that even though God has his plan for the way Jericho is going to be dealt with, Joshua was not wrong for sending in the spies. That wasn't an indication of a lack of trust or a lack of faith. It was the right thing to do. God surprised them by doing something probably completely different than they ever thought he would do, but God was also honored through Joshua doing the smart thing and sending the spies to get a handle of what was going on. So there's the first thing I want you to think about. The second thing is that God goes ahead of us. And I love this idea. God goes ahead of us. Joshua does the smart thing by sending the spies into the house of a prostitute, most likely because that's where foreigners uh, would, would probably bring up the least amount of suspicion. They'd also be able to get a lot of good information about what's going on in the city. But what they found there was miraculous. Somehow, word had gotten to the king, and he had sent his henchmen out. So much for the secret spy thing, right? But here's where the story gets interesting. Rahab the prostitute hides them, sends the king's men off on a wild goose chase, protects them, gives them the information they need, and then provides an escape route. And in return, she and her family are spared when they come to take Jericho. But here's what this tells me. God goes ahead of us. God goes ahead of us. And not only does he go ahead of us, he prepares the way, preparing the hearts of people, revealing his fame, his glory. But he also goes ahead of us, and we will find him in strange and unexpected places. These spies found God at work in a brothel in the faith of a prostitute. Now, I kind of apply this to sharing our faith. We often look at the prospect of sharing our faith as uh, a big thing, a big uh, trepidation issue, maybe. Like we're making this foray into enemy territory, crossing the lines into the unknown, taking a big risk. We head into those situations feeling like it's our job to take God to people who don't know Him. There is this big dark land, and we have the light, and we must take it to this dangerous place. But the spy story reminds me that God is already there ahead of us. We aren't going to carry him along with us as if he wasn't already there. On the contrary, we take opportunities to share our faith with the realization that the Holy Spirit is already there, already working, already prodding, already pursuing. We are wisest and most effective when we realize that God is there already and encourage what he's already doing in people's lives. Sharing our faith isn't only about bringing people to salvation. That's the final step of the evangelism process. Now, it's not the final step in someone's faith. There's a lot of steps before that, lots of contacts and words and deeds and expressions of love and lots of things that God is doing to reveal himself, to draw people to himself. God is there ahead of us. And often we'll find him in unexpected places. Be open to those. Look for those opportunities to join God at work in establishing his kingdom and take the opportunities he provides. Now tonight as we close, I ask you this question. Where has, been, where has God been calling you to go? What has he been telling you that you need to do to be obedient to him? If you're feeling stuck or if you're uncertain about the direction in which God wants you to go or how to get started, 
then I want to first encourage you with the fact that God goes ahead of you. He has prepared the road and he knows the journey you're going to take and he knows where you need to get started. The promise of God that he has prepared the kingdom for you is so true. He desires us to experience in this life everything that he has promised. The joy, the freedom, the power. God has invited us to experience the kingdom through his spirit. And I encourage you to take some step to do that today. The kingdom is our life. The kingdom is our focus. The kingdom is our mission. And let's trust God as we work in his kingdom. Let's close with a prayer. God, we thank you tonight for letting us be your servants. And we pray, God, that through our our time of service, through our, our work in your kingdom, that we will lean in on you, that we will allow you to give us this great focus in our life that, that focuses on spreading your word, that focuses on reaching lost people, that focuses on discipleship, God. Help us to not be stagnant. Help us as a church to decide to make a difference in this community, to, to wear our slogan with honor, a church that cares for its community, but not to just let that be a saying, God, to let that be a call of action of our church, that when people see us, they believe that, not because it's on our sign, God, but because it's in our hearts. Bless us, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. As we have said many times, if you need anything in the coming days, let us know. Yes, we're re-engaging here in a few days. Yes, we're going to be back together. But spiritual needs don't start and stop with the opening and closing of the doors of the church building. If we can do anything for you, please reach out. Let us know this week and know that we're here for you. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and may God bless you. Have a good night. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.